0: This podcast is designed to help you understand the Mental Capacity Act. What is the Mental Capacity Act? The Mental Capacity Act is a law that was introduced in 2005 and applies to England and Wales. It applies to anybody aged 16 or over and it is designed to protect people that are not able to make decisions for themselves about their own lives. To understand the Mental Capacity Act, first you need to understand what is meant by mental capacity. If you need to make a decision in your life, for example, about where to live, you need to be able to do the following things. Understand information about the decision. Remember the information. Use the information to make the decision and communicate your decision. Some people are unable to do one or all of those things. For example, a person with dementia may not be able to remember the information in order to make the decision. Somebody with a severe learning disability or brain injury may not be able to understand the information. Somebody who is in a coma may not be able to communicate their decision. In these circumstances, that person might be said to lack the mental capacity to make that decision for themselves and somebody will have to make it for them. This is where the Mental Capacity Act comes in, to protect the rights of people who lack the mental capacity to make their own decisions and make sure that decisions are made in that person's best interests. How is a person's mental capacity assessed? The Mental Capacity Act sets out a test for mental capacity. The first thing to remember is that mental capacity is specific to each issue. So a person might have the mental capacity to choose what clothes to wear or what to eat for lunch, but they might not have the mental capacity to understand what medication to take or how to stay safe if they go outside on their own. So when a mental capacity assessment is carried out, it needs to be specific to the decision that needs to be made. Mental capacity is also time-specific, so it is not enough to carry out one mental capacity assessment and then say that the person lacks mental capacity for that decision for the rest of their life. Capacity must be reassessed regularly to give that person the opportunity to be involved in decisions about their life if they are able to do so. Mental capacity assessments are completed in two stages. The first stage is to establish if the person being assessed has an impairment of their mind or brain which could prevent them from making the decision for themselves. For example, this could be a mental health condition, a learning disability or a brain injury. Once the assessor has established if the person has an impairment of the mind or brain, they move on to the second stage of the capacity assessment. The second stage is to establish whether the person is able or unable to make the decision. The Mental Capacity Act says that a person lacks mental capacity to make the decision if they can't do one or all of the following four things. Understand the information relevant to the decision, retain that information, use or weigh up that information as part of the process of making the decision and communicate their decision. The Mental Capacity Act says that the assessor needs to prove that the person being assessed lacks the mental capacity for the decision and not the other way around. The assessor needs to take every possible step to help the person understand the decision that needs to be made. Steps to do this might include repeating the information several times, adapting the way the assessor communicates with the person for their individual needs, or asking somebody who knows the person well to be present and help the assessor to communicate with them. Once a mental capacity assessment has been completed, the assessor will record whether they believe the person has capacity for the decision or not. If the person is assessed as lacking the mental capacity to make the decision, then a decision will need to be made in their best interests by that person's care team. What is a best interest decision? If a person is assessed as lacking the mental capacity to make a particular decision, a member of their care team will make the decision for them in their best interests. The member of the care team taking responsibility for making the decision is called the decision maker. When making the best interest decision, the decision maker must consider the person's views wherever possible. They must consult any family, close friends and professionals involved in that person's life and consider their views. In most cases, they would hold a meeting to discuss the decision, called a best interests meeting. Finally, when the decision has been made, the decision maker must clearly record the decision they have made and why they have made it. The decision taken must be the least restrictive option for that person. What is meant by the least restrictive option? The least restrictive option means making a decision on behalf of somebody who lacks capacity that will keep them safe, whilst making sure that the decision doesn't go against their wishes or interfere too much with their life. For example, if a person lacks capacity to take their own medication independently, the person's care team must consider whether the person could prepare their own medication with the help of a member of staff. This would be less restrictive than the staff member just putting it in a pot for the person to take. Another example would be if an elderly person with dementia was happy living in their own home but could no longer look after themselves independently. The least restrictive option would be for that person to remain at home with carers going to visit them instead of them going into a care home. Who is responsible for making a best interest decision? The person responsible for making a best interest decision depends upon the decision that needs to be made and the setting that they are in. If a person lives in a care home or supported living placement, the care staff are likely to be the people who make any day-to-day best interest decisions that need to be made about a person's life. For example, if a person lives in a care home and lacks the mental capacity to take their medication, wash themselves or go to the toilet independently, the care staff would make these best interest decisions on a person's behalf. However, there are bigger decisions in a person's life where a professional will be required to make a best interest decision. For example, if a person lacked capacity to consent to having an operation, then it would be the doctor who intends to carry out the operation that would be the decision maker. If a person lacked the mental capacity to decide where to live, The decision maker would most likely be somebody like a social worker or nurse from the local authority or from the nhs depending on who is responsible for funding the person's move can a person who is assessed as lacking the mental capacity to make a decision for themselves appeal against the best interest decision that's made on their behalf if a person who lacks capacity or a representative of that person disagrees with the decision that has been made about them, they can appeal against the decision in a special court which oversees the Mental Capacity Act. This is called the Court of Protection. The Court of Protection can make a final ruling on what's in a person's best interests if there is a disagreement about this. This means that the person who lacks capacity has a way of having their case heard if they don't agree with the decision that's been made about them. What are the Deprivation of Liberty Safeguards, or DOLs? The Deprivation of Liberty Safeguards, or DOLs as they are known for short, are a part of the Mental Capacity Act. The DOLs aim to make sure that people in care homes and hospitals are looked after in a way that doesn't restrict their freedom any more than is necessary for that person to be cared for properly. If a person lives in a care setting, such as a hospital or care home, and they lack the mental capacity, to make the decision about where they should live they should be assessed for a doll's authorisation. The care setting will ask the local authority to come out and assess the person and if the person meets the criteria for a doll's, then an assessor will authorise the care setting to deprive that person of their liberty for a period of time of up to a year. Towards the end of the DOLS authorisation the person will need to be assessed again to see if another Dole's authorisation is required. Any person who is under a Dole's authorisation will have a representative appointed who is responsible for making sure that the care setting are not restricting the person more than is necessary to care for them, and to have their care arrangements and placement reviewed in the Court of Protection if they are unhappy in the place that they're living. The representative for somebody under a doll is called the relevant person's representative. It can be a family member or a close friend, or if that person doesn't have anybody who's appropriate for that role, then they can have an independent advocate called a relevant person's paid representative. When can an advocate be appointed under the Mental Capacity Act? Independent Mental Capacity Advocates, or IMCAs for short, are professional advocates who work on behalf of a person who is assessed as lacking the mental capacity to make certain decisions. Imkers will only be involved if a person doesn't have family or close friends who can be involved in the decision-making process. Imkers can also be involved if a person's family are not considered appropriate to consult about the decision. A person assessed as lacking mental capacity should have support from an IMCA in the following circumstances. If there is a decision to be made about whether to move that person to new accommodation for a period of eight weeks or more. If there is a decision to be made about whether a person should have serious medical treatment or not. If the person's care and treatment is being reviewed and if the person who lacks capacity is the subject of a safeguarding enquiry. It is the job of the decision-maker to instruct an IMCA by contacting whichever advocacy service is available in that area of the country. That's the end of this podcast. We hope that you found the information helpful. If you'd like to leave feedback about this podcast, or contact Power about making a referral for an IMCA, please visit our website at www.power.net. That's power spelled P-O-H-W-E-R dot net. You can also call our Help Hub on 0300 456 2370. Thanks for listening.